You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. I'm Bill Powers. It's Mining Stock Education. Joining me is my friend David Erfley from JuniorMinerJunkie.com. David, welcome back onto the show. When we spoke a month ago, it was right around the monthly CPI uh, release. And here we are talking just after the 9.1% number is released. And of course, gold sells off. Inflation's high and gold sells off right away. It sprung right back, but it doesn't make sense. But gold hasn't made sense to me for quite some time, honestly. <laughs> but uh, what is your analysis of what's going on here? Yeah, well, considering what the gold price did, what the silver price did, what the miners did going into the CPI report, how, how extreme oversold everything was, it wasn't going to take much to get a bounce back. And... Um, when the report came out, which was you know much worse than expected, um, the gold price immediately started to sell down towards seventeen hundred. And you know you've had every uh, you know every bear out there, and and quite a few bulls that have turned bears saying that oh gold's going to go to sixteen seventy five. It's obvious. Um, well, when you have that many people on one side of the boat in an extreme oversold situation, you're going to get a bounce. And um, that's exactly what happened today. Um, you know, um, and also I think a big reason for the bounce was, you know, A, um, we, we had a short covering rally, you know, the shorts, you know, have, have made quite a bit of money um, going into this. And it, like I said, being extreme oversold. So um, the gold price reversed about $35, $40 um, and the miners reversed as well. But if you take a look at the number, you know, basically you've got a Federal Reserve that was telling us for months that inflation was transitory, and um, it wasn't going to it wasn't going to be a problem. We can leave rates, you know, at at zero to zero point two five, and um, now that inflation that it's, they've all they're all, they're obviously way behind the curve on inflation now. Now they're telling us that um, a um, we can raise rates without causing a recession. Um, is that still their talking point? <laughs> there's still that's still one of their talking points. We can we could do a soft landing, even though the Atlanta Federal Reserve has come out and already said that they're expecting a negative 1.9 percent uh, Q uh, Q2 GDP rate after a negative 1.6 percent in the first quarter. And um, you know, basic you know economic theory, you know, is what what they practice is you know two consecutive quarters of negative growth is a recession. So basically, we're already in a recession. Um, but, you know, the, the, the $64 billion question out there right now is investors want to know what's it going to take to bring prices down? How much demand destruction is the Federal Reserve and other central banks willing to, to sacrifice? I mean, Canada just raised their rates today uh, a full uh, percentage point. So how much are they willing to sacrifice? How much of a recession are they willing to put us in to bring down inflation? That's A. And B, the inflation that's that's happening is not based on anything the Fed can control. You know, I mean, we've already printed all this money. You know, we've already doubled the money supply from four from, you know, from, you know, from four trillion. They doubled their balance sheet, or more than doubled their balance sheet from four trillion to eight trillion in less than a year. So uh, they can't do anything about that. They can't do anything about the supply chain issues. They can't do anything about the, the Russia-Ukraine war, which continues to go on and it continues to, to, to cause this inflation. They can't do anything about China locking down economies and you know, causing 
causing these supply chain issues. You know, when you shut down the world's largest port, you know, for, you know, completely, you know, for several weeks, you know, you can't just start it back up again and say everything's going to be hunky-dory. Um, you know, and you can't do that with economies either. You can't do that. I mean, that, that's what they're, that's basically what they're what they've what they've tried to do. So um, the Fed cannot control where most of the inflation com- is coming from, which is supply chain issues. So it's continued c- continuing to go higher. And um, what happened the last time we were in this situation like this was back in the 70s where we had stagflation. Right. We had rising inflation and we had a stagnant economy. Well, we've got. We've got we're, we're pretty much now, you know, technically in a recession and we've got inflation that continues to go higher. The gold price was was going was rising along with their interest rates hikes. So. So far, that hasn't been the case because people are expecting the Federal Reserve to get on top of this, you know. Um, so after the non-farm payrolls report came out, you know, uh, last week, and it was better than expected and wage growth was, was, was rising a bit, but wages are still in, at a negative four and a half percent. So, you know, when is that going to start sinking in and making a difference? You know, I don't know, but as far as the gold price is concerned, it got extreme over oversold on a weekly basis, as well as a daily basis. The miners also extreme oversold on a weekly basis as well as a daily basis. So I was expecting some sort of a bounce this week. We're getting some sort of a bounce right now, but we need to have follow through, right? So what we're seeing today is short covering. We need to see, we need to, we need to see some value-based investors coming in and buying on top of this short covering into the weekend. Yeah, that's a great insight, Dave. So how are you playing the miners then? Last time we talked, I think you were 30-ish percent cash and you said that's the good position to be in based on your experience. You want to have core positions. You want to have a large cash position so that even if it drops, you can average in because <laughs> nobody knows the bottom for you know 100%. But what are your current thoughts a month after we last spoke on how you're discerning a bottom here? Yeah, I, I got up to a 50% cash position about a month ago, and wow. uh, I deployed some of it uh, last week. And right now, I'm still about 35% cash. So, you know, like I said, you know, you want to be in situations like this, you want to be in a position to root for either outcome, either a short-term bottom or, hey, look, these things could go a lot lower and I've got all this cash to buy more. Um, so, you know, because you, you, you don't want to be in a position where you have to make emotional decisions. And that's what this sector loves to put people into. <laughs> and buying tranches, right? To make an emotion. Yes, exactly. So, you know, I've still got, you know, all my core positions and I've got room to add more. I added a couple new ones last week. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm going to wait to see, to wait to see if certain levels are, are, are breached before I, before I add more. I mean, we need to see, like I said, we need to see follow through here. It looks like today we're speaking at, at, at a market's going to close in about an hour and a half. Um, we saw, we've got a large white candle in, in, in the GDX and the GDXJ. We're seeing, um, we're seeing uh, the, the, the miners show relative strength to the stock market this morning, you know, one day. Uh, what I want to see is I want to see three solid white candles the rest of the week. And the, the GDX close above 30 and the GDXJ close above 35. I'll, 
I'll feel more comfortable about this at least being a short-term bottom um, in, in the mining sector. Dave, uh, I wanted to ask you about the whole idea of if you're invested in a mine developer and there's problems, sell immediately and don't look back. And that wisdom seems to be true when I look um, like Geo-Pacific in Papua New Guinea, uh, Pure Gold in Canada, Alexco, uh, Arcana Silver, and now Rio 2 in Chile. So, I mean, what are your thoughts and your experience? If you're in a mine developer, it goes wrong, just sell because the likelihood is it's going to go lower, the share price. Well, Rio 2 is a great example. As, as you know, you're a subscriber. Um, that was one of my top 10 stocks. Um, the company had already began to build their um, very large heat bleach uh, Phoenix Gold project in Chile. Um, they were just waiting to get the environmental permit, and um, they had they had a, I assumed, and the company had assumed that they'd done everything uh, uh, that 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 the government and the regional government asked of them as far as the flora and fauna issues around the mine. And then all of a sudden, right about a week before the, the permit was expected to be issued, the Regional um, Environmental Association uh, recommended that the government turn it down. And as soon as I read that, I, I put out a, a note to my subscribers, as you know, to sell it. Um, because he, if, a, if it's a regional issue, the government's likely either gonna either they're going to, either going to uh, uh, disapprove it outright, or they're going to disapprove it with a stipulation that hey, you're gonna ha you have to do you have to do a, a few more things before we give you this permit. The same th examples, the same thing happened to um, Marathon, and the same thing happened to uh, Sabina in Canada. Sabina eventually got their permit and Marathon, it looks like they're going to get theirs. Um, but, um, you know, this and, and this but this is Chile. So. Um, I, so as soon as I read that, I went, you know what, we got to sell this now and then we'll wait, wait to see what happens with the decision. And then maybe we can get back in cheaper, depending on what the decision was. And the decision was an outright disapproval. And, and the stock, of course, completely cratered. And um, now, you know, they've, they've, they've made all these commitments for, for supplies. They've already started to build a project. So this stock is going to be dead money for quite a while if, if, if they eventually, even if they eventually get permit. So, you know, I basically told my subscribers, you know, this was the only, this was the only company that, that, that I had in the portfolio that was, that was de-risking a project in Chile. And I basically said, look, I mean, Chile's off off my list now because, you know, it looks to me that the, co the company did everything that they were asked to do. And then the government, well, the regional, the regional area came around and said, you know what, we don't want this mine, even though you've done everything you've, that we've asked you to do. You know, my personal opinion, it might have been a water issue. Because you know water is very scarce in the area, and they're going to have to they're, they're going to have to have like seventy or seventy five trucks go through the area every day to truck water to the project. So they were looking so for a reason, a cover story issue, to deny. The, yeah, they're just using the floor and the the, the, the flora fauna issue as a as a cover. And that's just my guess. Um, I don't know, but uh, yes, I mean. The smart move was to just sell as soon as you found out the news because 
the stocks, you know, sold off. It was cut in half again from where I sold and I recommend what recommended my subscribers to sell. So yeah, this is why you need to you need to constantly be on your computer in the morning. You know, when you're expecting uh, major decisions, uh, a major decision uh, that's going to affect your stock, and uh, that's that's what I do, um, and that's and I, that's why I, I try to keep on top of everything for my subscribers as much as I possibly can, because these things can come out of left field in any company, no matter how fantastic the project looks, no matter how great the jurisdiction was. I mean, Chile used to be a top tier jurisdiction, you know, and just a couple of years ago. So um, yeah, you just have to keep to on top of these things. And this is, this is one of the challenges of, of, of being in, in this sector. So Dave, do you think that the, the horrible sentiment we're experiencing in the sector now, it's kind of like amplified by all of these mind development failures, right? The gold price, lack of funds in the sector. And then you add on like, you know, 80% losers in our portfolio. <laughs> and, you know, the sentiment is the worst I've seen. Um, your, what your thoughts on sentiment? It's late 2015, early right. 2016. Yeah, I mean, sure, the sentiment was bad in March of 2020, but that happened in four weeks. But that how many like, mines were being built in ooh. 2015? There weren't as many mines, right? Exactly. In 20, so, but now exactly. you get all these mine attempts to come into production and then yes. they fail. It kind of like adds to like the sentiment of why should I even waste my time with the juniors? <laughs> yeah, you know, you've got the gold price waffling between $1,700 and $2,000 for the past, two years and inflation is skyrocketed. So all these projects, all these CapEx, all these uh, CapEx is for all these projects that were estimated to be a certain amount, you know, six months before the inflation, all of a sudden they're 20, 30, 35, 40% higher. I mean, look at what happened to Argonaut. I mean, their, their CapEx was, they're, they're, they, they guesstimated their CapEx way wrong twice. <laughs> and it's, and they've recently has have had to raise money to they had to basically double their their share count raising up money to finish the project and that and that stock has completely been you know decimated and their share structure is completely blown out now it even cost uh the founder of the company his job so you know these things uh, are happening in the sector uh at a time where the gold price is 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 attempting to get out of the shadow of of, of a parabolic us dollar while inflation continues to climb. So yeah, I mean, investors have, have fled this sector in droves. So what you saw, what you, the move you saw today was basically, like I said, a short covering move for now, but so we need to see some investors coming into the sector on top of this short covering, be more, to, you know, to be more confident that we've at least seen a short term bottom. Um, I'm leaning towards that direction, but I'm keeping my cash safe just in case, it, you know, we have we have more selling because, you know, we have, uh, you know, after this, right after this CPI report came out, Bill, um, right before it, um, the, the, the market was pricing in uh, a 92% chance of a 75 basis point rate hike, an 8% chance of a 100 basis point rate. As I just turned on the uh, this you know this this link for this interview, the one percent chance of a rate hike has rate has been has risen to seventy nine percent. So the market's already uh, pricing in a one basis point rate hike. Rate hike. Now that the Fed in their nimble mode 
and come out and say, you know, even though we were expecting to raise 75 basis points, we're going to raise a, a, a full basis point. That happened during the last meeting. They were Everybody was expecting a half point rate hike, half point rate hike. And then two days before the meeting, you know, feds, you know, all these fed heads started talking. We're looks like we're going to have to raise 75 basis points. So, you know, right at right after the CPI, now we're going to have, we're going to have all these, all these fed governors come out and, and talking. And, you know, the, the biggest hawks like, like Bostick and Waller, they're going to, they're, they're going to be coming out and they're going to say, well, it looks like we're going to have to raise a, a, a full basis point. So, but, but, you know, at what point, does you know the the all the all that debt is you know that's the elephant in the room that nobody's really talking about because you know even at two percent Fed funds rate you know just the interest on the debt is a trillion bucks which is which is already a cumulative interest seventy percent of the national debt is a cumulative interest payments so you know um, really going to be interesting how the market's going to take this it's waffling right now you know it looks like it's teetering on taking another plunge lower, the, the, the stock market. Um, I'm still eyeing 3,200 on the S&P as a possible target. And, um, you know, if, if, if the stock market starts to move down towards there, I mean, this is an election year. So, you know, is the Fed going to continue to be, you know, all out hawkish when they, they understand that, that, you know, they can't really, that most of this inflation they can't control. So, you know, um, they're going to have to. They're going to have to pivot. They're going to have to at least back off from rate hikes pretty soon. I think. I don't think they can raise too much because the next meeting after this is not until September, and you know a lot could happen in the stock market until then. Um, so it's going to be really interesting how they're going to try to handle this. You know, they they didn't handle the transitory issue very well, and I don't think they're going to handle the the we're going to we're going to you know we're going to be able to do this with with a soft you know into a soft landing and uh, you know avoid a recession issue. So. Let's see how they're how, how they're going to be able to do it. But all the in the meantime, gold continues to hang around. You know, I mean, we've had copper go from five dollars a pound all the way down to to three thirty a pound in like four months, right? It's on recession fears, below. right? Right. It's yeah. now trading below its two hundred week moving average after you know skyrocketing. So the gold price hasn't even corrected down to its two hundred week moving average yet. You know, that's down. It's that's down at sixteen fifty two. So uh, there's really super strong support, obviously, at 1675, 1700. So what's it going to take, you know, to get the gold price down there? I, 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 I don't think it could do it, but, you know, you never say never <laughs> in this sector. You know, and that's what my cash is, is sitting on the sidelines, you know, waiting for. I mean, if, is this, is this going to happen? I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd like to get your thoughts uh, before you go on one more acquisition. So Hecla's buying Alexco. Alexco is a company. What about their misery? Yeah. (laughs) Again, another failed mine developer, underground, narrow vein mine uh, developer, had all sorts of problems, then ran out of money. And so they needed somebody with money to come in and help them. And Hecla's buying out the stream and buying the company. What are the takeaway lessons in, in this one? Oh man, that's another one I'm intimately familiar with. That's heck. I mean, uh, Alexco has been the little, the little, the little engine that could for so long, 
And by the way, it was a darling too, Dave, with the market. It was. Right? Yeah, it was. I made so much money on that stock during the during the the, the 2008 run up into 2011. I did really, really well. You know, it had that U.S. listing. It had that tight share structure. You know, it had that Amex list, U.S. Amex listing, tight share structure. You know, um, sure they had to make the the devil uh, the, the deal with the devil with Wheaton to 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 get that mine to to get that mill built. But it's funny you mentioned, you know, the, the stream because who made out the best on this deal? Wheaton. <laughs> yeah, they made out the best. They got their, they got their, they got $128 million payout for that stream. But yeah, I mean, you know, Alexco was hit with, I think the biggest culprit was the draconian COVID measures in the Yukon. You know, that really, that really uh, hindered them getting that mill up and running in a timely fashion. Of course, building the mill on top of a silver deposit didn't help. So, but, so Dave, if I could interject on that point, sure. when, when we're saying we're, because uh, one of the themes in this interview, obviously, is the failed mine developers. We mm-hmm. should note that this is all during that crazy period of COVID, supply chain disruption. If one person oh, yeah. gets sick, everybody goes home and you got to pay them all. So to be fair to the companies, they've had to deal with a lot more than in normal times. Absolutely, that's yeah. what I'm saying. That you had you had supply chain, you had it was it, it was a threefold issue: supply chain issues, draconian uh, COVID restrictions in Yukon, and the silver price tanking while they're trying to get their mill into commercial production. They've had if they would have they announced that they would they were going to have to raise money for the fourth time this year. And that was that was it. That's that's what did it, and that's what put put the company on the on the sale block. And Ecla came in and swooped in, which is what Ecla does. They did the same thing with their projects. I forget the name of the company in in Montana. You know, Ecla is now basically the new silver you know silver standard. They've got all these projects in North America that's got all this silver in the ground. So they've got a lot of silver in the ground in North America. America's Gold and Silver, another failed developer I just thought of too, right? <laughs> another one I'm intimately familiar with. You know, yeah. fortunately, you know, with Alesco, I got out somewhat in time. I've lost a little bit of money this go around. Uh, I think I got out at a buck 20. <laughs> uh, so, you know, um, and America's Gold and Silver is another one. That was another uh, one that had everything going for it. But, you know, the, the Relief Canyon startup was a, was, was a huge a problem, you know, they could never get that on track. Then, the, then the Mexico issues, you know, that 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 blockade and that mine was shut down for a very long time. And then by the time they opened it up, guess what? The silver price is is twenty is twenty twenty one dollars an ounce. So, yeah, I mean, it's and they had they had uh, a, a, an Amex listing too, and had a, a tight share structure at one point. And turns out their best project, the Galena mine, they end up giving them, you know, they end up selling 40% of it this broad. So yeah, I mean, these are all lessons that that people should uh, should uh, take to heart, you know, uh, in this sector, because, you know, anything could happen, you know, there's so many things that can go wrong, but, uh, you know, when they go right, um, you know, these things move awfully, you know, awfully far, awfully fast, mm-hmm. and they can move awfully far, awfully fast in the opposite direction when things go wrong. So you really have to stay on top of it. And that's what I try to do for my suppliers. Yep. And just to point out the positive, you went 30 fold on first majestic silver in the last cycle. 
for a growing uh, silver developer producer, right? Yes. Uh, dollar a share to too. $30 a share, right? Yes. And, <laughs> and wheat. And those are my two biggest winners yeah. during the, during the last bull market. Yes. So yeah, that's why we take, do this. It only takes one or two to, to, you know, in your portfolio to make you look like a genius. <laughs> yep. I have a number of 80% losses on explorers, but then oh, yeah. the ones that I put a lot of money in and did well in five to 10 baggers last year, you know, you, you sleep well because those cover your losses. You just understand right. you're going to have those 80, 70% It's just cost of doing business on the other yep. ones. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Dave, your website is Junior Miner Junkie with a Y. Still openings for new subscribers over there? Oh, plenty. <laughs> <laughs> Come on over. We got plenty of room. Yeah. By the time gold hits 2300, though, maybe not, right? Maybe it, not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> If you can let me know when that's going to happen, I'd appreciate it. No, no, but I look to you. <laughs> well, Dave, thanks for coming on the show and we'll be touching base in about a month with you. Absolutely. Always great to talk to you. And uh, thanks again for having me on. It's always a pleasure and uh, best of luck to everybody out there. You know, um, it's really close to turning around. I mean, this might be the beginning, but uh, I think it's really close because uh, this is, this is uh, the, the worst sentiment I've seen in quite a while. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well, or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own 
own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.